Are you a channel? Should you be? You know what it is to be a channel, right? You know what it is to have your channel plugged up? And then Christ through you can't get to who Christ needs to get to? Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. I asked Miss Dedick to sing that song so that it would uh, complement the message here this morning and what we want to teach and what we want to learn. Acts chapter 3 in your Bibles. Acts chapter 3. Are you ready? You're saying, for what? I don't know. All right, Acts chapter 3. Let's read here about some men who were channels and about somebody who wasn't. Acts chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity here to minister in this way with this passage. And now, Lord, I pray that it would be your ministry that you would do in our hearts what's needed there to deal with areas that, frankly, are similar, I suppose, to this lame man. Areas that are lame. And Lord, this man needed a channel of blessing, and he received it that day. And I pray, Lord, that you would open eyes now and encourage faith this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I have titled the message this morning, Sitting in a Beautiful Place and Going Nowhere. You know, we're not exactly sure where the beautiful gate was. Uh, Josephus helps us a bit if we can rely upon him and his thoughts about it, what he wrote. Uh, because 40 years after this, this place is going to look a little different. It's going to be remodeled. Okay? Some of you will catch up to that, or you, you haven't had that history class yet. Um, anyway, 
And uh, so these things were all destroyed. Josephus, though, who really felt he was an expert on many different subjects, um, did identify it. We wonder if it is not synonymous with the Eastern Gate. Whatever it was, it was one of apparently 10 gates that entered into the temple area. The temple area that, frankly, is still fairly well marked out there today is 37 acres, with the temple, Herod's temple, being you know, somewhere in the middle of that. But a huge area around Solomon's temple, or, or what would be Herod's temple, just a massive 37-acre area that Herod uh, built up. It was larger. He enlarged this area that's up there now. And, uh, and there were 10 gates that entered in. The beautiful gate is just one of them. And if Josephus is right and we can get our mind around this, then maybe, maybe it was the predominant gate. Maybe a bit larger than the other nine. Maybe a bit more ornate than the others. And if it's the eastern gate, well, then it's leading from the, the Kidron Valley, the Kidron Brook, and across that is the Garden of Gethsemane, and up the hill from that is the Mount of Olives. And uh, here would be the, the main entrance, maybe, the one that if people were devout and they're going up into the temple to take care of business, well, you understand, these people going into the temple, these are not the riffraff. These are those that, for whatever their motivation is, they, they have a decent enough motive. These are the religious. They're going in there. We've got work to do. Uh, Peter and John are going in to pray. So apparently the early church, in fact, uh, the end of chapter 2 tells us that they went up there often, daily. And uh, how many are in the early church by this point? More than 3,000. I don't think Peter and John are alone. If it's customary for the early church to go in, I've got an idea that there's a fair number from their church going in with them. Right? And uh, so Peter and John are on their way up there, and they're headed through this beautiful gate, whatever it is. It's ornate. It's, it's maybe larger. There's probably some entering into this gate that feel like if I go through that gate, more will be accomplished in my heart. Uh, the Lord will be more impressed. You know, just... So anyway, there's a lot of people going through this gate, the beautiful gate, something that would be decimated and destroyed. Now we know little about it, but uh, we do know it was there because it's testified by the Holy Spirit here that it was there. And we know that there was a man who sat in that gate. How often did he sit here? Daily. Daily he was here. Daily he was here. Not at one of the gates. Daily he was at this gate. And what was he here for? To greet people? Was he a greeter? We have greeters. Was he a greeter? Was he, was he a valet man? No, not hardly. Why was he here? This is what he's here for. This is why he came. Do you understand? This is why he's here. And the success of that day, the endeavor that he's in, will be based on, I'm sure by the end of the day, What's in 
his cup or not. <laughs> there you go. He looks in the cup by the end of the day, and then he knows what kind of day he had. In the gate, called beautiful. He comes every day. Men bring him here. What does he hope for? What is his hope? Ask him, what are you hoping for today? And what would he say? That's what he hopes for. Does he hope for more than that? No, just more of it. That's what he hopes for. Do you have an area in your life of lameness, of inability, of powerlessness? You ever had that? Maybe even now? Something that you know about, but you just can't overcome it. There's no real victory for that, I don't think. I've never experienced it anyway. It's just the same every day. What do you hope for? Do you hope for more than what this man hopes for every day? This for him, is this meant to overcome and give him real victory over his lameness? Will this do that? What's the best that this can do? Yeah, cover him until tomorrow when he'll be back for more. So this is a way that we cope. It's not a means to victory. It's just getting by. What more can I do? I have an area of lameness, of impotency, of powerlessness. An infirmity. Now, this is a historic account. This man did literally have a physical, physiological problem. He was lame how long? How long? From his birth, right? How old is he? How old is this man? 20? Look at chapter 4 and verse 22 and tell me how old he is. Is he older than Jesus? Is that clear? You know that? We don't have to guess about it? How old is he? 40. So could he be 45? Could he be 50? When Jesus was here at 12, is it possible that he was there? He's been here a long time. How do we know that? Well, we'll demonstrate that. This has been going on for a long time. And I want you to understand, he really doesn't hope for anything different than this. He has somehow picked out the best place. Where would you want to be if you were hoping for this? Where would you want to be? In the beautiful gate. Right? Right? 
your chances are best to cope here in the beautiful gate. More people coming through. Rather than being somewhere else in Jerusalem, this is the spot. These are devoted people. They've come to meet with God. And uh, in here, they can give alms, something that obviously was on the Lord's heart. He testified to it throughout the scripture. Give to the poor, the needy, meet the needs. I'm sure he did okay coping here with his lameness. Now, lameness can genuinely, for us, be a variety. We've all experienced it, maybe even now. It can be, uh, you know, just things that we can't overcome. Procrastination. Laziness, anger, bitterness. Many of these things we heard in the opening meetings addressed. As I considered this message and I was listening to those, I was going, okay, that, yeah. Gossip, complaining. We know it's wrong, but it's, I don't know, it's who I am. I'm an angry person. Stubbornness. Can stubbornness be presented as a, well, it's a good thing. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I want. Stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness, Samuel said. I don't think we should be defending it. I don't think stubborn is a good thing, an area of lameness. And it could be just habitually giving in to temptation, maybe a certain temptation. An area of inability, like this man. I want to, uh, even in the introduction here, uh, mention here the influence of our inability, the influence. Our inability has an influence. I want you to think about maybe that area that you're struggling with, that area that lacks power, that you've wanted it, that maybe you've even cried out for it. You've hoped for deliverance in that thing. But I'm going to tell you that that area of inability has influence. It has influence, first of all, in your own life. It has influence on you. Influence you may not even realize. Watch this. Can this man who is uh, disabled, is powerless, does he have a voice? Yes or no? Does he have a voice? Like, is his voice lame? No. What's lame? His legs are lame, right? Look at his legs. What do they look like? Can you look at this man and tell by looking at his legs that he's lame? Yes or no? Yeah. Have you ever had a limb that's been in a cast for a number of weeks and then they cut the cast off? I don't think they even do that anymore. You ever, how many of you have been in a cast like that and then had the cast cut off? Okay. Were you impressed with what you saw? When you, when you, that's not my arm. What did you do with my arm? I used to be so... I was ninth grade when I broke a leg and had a cast on that leg, a full cast, and that was on for a number of weeks, and when they, came, when they cut it off, that, my two legs didn't look alike. You know what I'm saying, right? Atrophy. What, if, what does this man's legs look like he's never walked? 
He's never used those muscles. For whatever reason, they don't work. They're spindly. You can tell they're powerless. But his voice, does he have a voice? His voice isn't lame. In verse 2, at the end of the verse, it says that he's here to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And then, of course, later in verse 8, when he makes it into the temple, it says that he's walking and leaping and something about his voice. Is his voice lame? No. Number two, does he have eyes? Is he blind? Do his his eyes work? Look at verse 3. Can you see that his eyes work? Yes or no? Look at verse 5 and tell me, does, do his ears work? In verse 5, do his ears work? Okay, now wait a minute. Only his legs are lame, but his lame legs, the lameness there that he has, is influencing the things in his life that are not lame. Why? What is he using his eyes, ears, and voice for? What is it? He's using them to cope. The very things that are fine, they work fine. What's he using them for? Those, those things that are not lame are subject now to the area that is lame. He's only using his voice for this. His hands... His ears, everything is focused on this. Do you suppose lameness works that way in our lives? Do you suppose it has influence, it holds sway? Do you suppose it holds us captive in some ways? Probably more than we know. What do we hope for? This. Coping. We found a way to cope. It's working. It gets me through to the next day. That frustration I have with my parents, with my roommate, with that classmate, with the handbook, I'm coping. What are you hoping for? Do you think this man has ever hoped to stand on his feet? I suppose. It's never happened. Does his lameness have influence on others? Okay, now let's let's look at this. Notice in verse 10, and we're just going to look at, I'm just going to work my way through some verses here, and I want you to notice something. Verse 10, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. How did they know that? Now, of course, by this time, he's not sitting at the gate anymore, is he? Right? He's not there. What's he doing? Boing, 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 boing. All over 37 acres. And people are looking at him, and are they saying, who's that? Who's that guy? What in the world? I mean, I'm sure they see some weird things up here. It is Israel. Okay? It is Jerusalem. There's some oddities, whatever. There's oddities everywhere, but... You know, on the Temple Mound, sure. But this is strange. But the strange part of this is what it says. They knew him. Right? Nobody's asking. Keep going. 
Of course, notice as well that it says that um, how many people came in, it says, and they, uh, uh, they, they were, it was filling. Verse 11, all the people ran together unto them in the porch. The porch just being that outward portico of the temple there on the temple mount. They all ran together. Look at verse 16. And his name, Peter now preaching a message to those that have gathered, says in the middle of his message, and Jesus' name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom ye see and, what's the word? You know him. Peter said that. How did he know that they knew him? You know this man. It's like there wasn't a person there that said, I've never seen him in my life. I don't know who you're talking about. Who is that guy? Okay, let's keep reading. Let's go down to um, chapter 4 and verse 7. We're going to fast forward here to now the next day when Peter and John and this man are standing in the Sanhedrin where Jesus stood not long ago. Verse 7, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Notice verse 10, Peter replies, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here, stand here before you whole. I just am I'm establishing the fact that in the midst of the Sanhedrin, you suppose anybody could just walk in there and talk to these people? This is like a joint session of Congress. Seriously. That's what this is. Jesus was in here. Not many weeks ago. And now, Peter and John have been compelled to come in, and this man is standing here too. Incidentally, incidentally, it's the next day, right? It's the next day. Trust me, we skipped over that part. It is the next day. And he's still what? He's still standing. Why didn't he go back? I thought daily he went there. Didn't he say that? Habitually, daily, his practice was that every day he's where? Here. Coping. Yeah, tomorrow he's not there. Let me ask you a question. That lameness in your life, how about tomorrow you not be there? Would that be all right? Is that possible? You say, I don't know. I mean, how many years? How many? How long has it been? Well, how long has it been for him? How long has it been? 45? 50? Did Peter and John look around and say, where did he go? Peter go to John, and John, he's probably sitting in the gate again. Why don't you go back and get him? Bring him in here. When is he going to sit here again? When? When? He's not going back. Why is he not going back? Because he got a whole bunch of money one day, and he didn't need to return? No, he'll always return. He can't hope for any better. He's not going back. Because of Jesus. Could it be that way for you, for me? Could it be? 
Tell me this. Why didn't he go back? Why didn't he? He did every day. That's what was custom. You know, I wonder if there was this, wait a minute, the sun's coming up. I know what I need to do. I got to get back there. Why didn't he go back? What is it? Talk to me. He was healed. Keep going. Do healed people ever go back? <laughs> Do healed people ever go back? Why didn't he go back? Yeah. Yeah. Old, that's good. Old things are passed away. Did he have a reason to go back? Did he have a reason to go back and sit in the gate? He didn't go back because he didn't have a reason to be there. Do you? Do you have a reason to be angry? I have a reason to be angry. Jonah, doest thou well to be angry? I do well. Oh, good. You preached. They got saved. You're angry. Do you really have a reason to be angry? Do any of us? Then why? Well, I need that healing. Let me tell you something. You've already been healed. Yes? If you're here, I trust you're born again. I would call that healing. Do you know that struggling now in a given area means that it would be like him going back? They would come and say, what are you doing? I, 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 this is, I sit here. This is what I do. Well, what are you doing? I'm coping. I need some money. Get up. I, I can? Get up. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, it is true. Yeah, it's true. Influence. I didn't finish this one. I got sidetracked. All right. So here he is standing, standing in the Sanhedrin, a joint session of Congress, and, uh, and they recognize him. They know he's, he's here, okay? Uh, verse 10, uh, that at the end of verse 10, even by him, Jesus, doth this man stand here before you whole. Go down to verse 14. Now we're going to get into the meat of this. Look at this. And beholding the man, that is Congress now, really it's the Sanhedrin, beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Now they're the ones that are powerless. They got a man standing here. Why you, well, don't you, they can't get their eyes off of this guy. Why? Notice verse uh, 16, saying, so in verse 15, they ask Peter and John and this man to leave. Would you guys just leave for a minute? We want to confer. It sounds a little like D.C., but it's not. Okay. Uh, scratch that. 16. Look at 16. Saying, here they say, what shall we do to these men for that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot. The Greek means they're powerless to deny it. They would love to. They can't. Why? Here's an interesting point that um, in... Uh, in the scriptures, 
In Matthew 26, verse 59, not many weeks ago, this same group here had Jesus before them. And it says, now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Why aren't they doing the same thing? I'll get some guys in here that will say that they saw him walking in the mall one day. Uh, come on, there's got to be somebody out there. They were doing it with Jesus not many weeks ago. Why? Why aren't they getting some false witnesses? It is so obvious. Do you know what the population of Jerusalem is at that day? About 60 to 70,000, we think. 60 to 70,000. What did they just say? Everybody knows. Everybody. You know what? Nobody walked up on the Temple Mount and said, I don't know who that guy is. Yeah, I don't know, but take my word for it. He used to be lame and now he can walk. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Can't prove it by me. Yes, you can. Everybody knows. That's Fred. I know Fred. I've given him a lot of money over the years. I've helped him cope. Everybody knows. Do you know that our coping, our lameness, has influence? People know. You think nobody knows. That's what you think. Nobody knows about my lameness. That's not true. That is not true. But I'll tell you what. When God delivers you, people are going to know that too. And that's going to have influence. If you'll just let God deliver you, that will have influence. Now, why isn't he already delivered? Why? Do you think Jesus ever walked through the beautiful gate? What do you think? Yeah. Was he ever up on the Temple Mount? Why is this man not healed? Jesus was up here. Why is, this, why is this man still sitting here? He was here every day, right? Every day. In John chapter 7, don't turn there, I'll read it. It says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried on the temple mount, saying, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Did he hear that? When Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, uh, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Why did the man not say, who's he? Well, who's that? Why did he not say that? Did he know? In verse 16 of chapter 3, Peter himself says that the reason this man is now walking is because of faith. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong. Is it possible to have faith without hearing? Not according to the Bible. This man has heard. John chapter 7, Jesus was up here. John chapter 8, Jesus was up here again. And a woman taken in adultery was brought to him. Where was this man? In John chapter 9, Jesus was leaving the temple ground. Maybe walking through this gate, I don't know. It says there that he saw a man who was born blind from his birth, and he healed him. Where? I don't know. Here. Where was that guy? Coping. Why was he not healed? In Matthew 21, it says, And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves 
and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Matthew 21, 14, why is this man not healed? Jesus was here. It's not inevitable that you will be healed. But when you are ready, God will heal you. When you are ready. Your healing and mine is contingent upon our faith. Believing in God. Not necessarily our proximity to Jesus. Jesus, I'm sure, walked right past him. Do you know that the triumphal entry is believed to have been through that gate? Do you know how long ago that was? Weeks. Where was that man? Why is he not healed? Now, when Peter and John came and they healed him, and for some reason now he's ready. I've had enough of this. Now he's ready. Tell me, who healed him? Jesus did. Because two channels of blessing came. Yes? Do you know that these men were not always channels of blessing? Did you know that? Let's look at the instruments of healing. In the past, they've been distracted. In the Garden of Gethsemane, not just weeks ago, Jesus encouraged, exhorted these two men. And he came unto the disciples, finding them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch and with me one hour? Watch and, what's the word? Pray. That ye enter not into temptation, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. That's the channels. Let me ask you a question. Peter and John, does it appear that they have an area of lameness? Yes or no? Matthew 26, just weeks ago, right? Are we in agreement there? How's their prayer life? How are they focusing? I've used the word distracted. They're not focusing in on what Jesus is focused on, the cross. He asked them to wait and watch and pray with him, and they're not doing it. There's an area of lameness in their lives. Question. If they don't get healed... And they walk through the beautiful gate, and this man is here. Knowing what he needs, are they going to be a channel of blessing to him with that area of lameness? Can a lame person heal a lame person? If you are drowning, are you going to cry out to somebody else who's drowning? You better get healed. Somebody is depending upon your healing. We can't keep fooling around with this thing. Someday I'll get it straightened around. Weeks ago, these men didn't know how to pray. They had lameness in their own lives. Later that night, verse 56, across, right out here, across the Kidron Brook, in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Was that Peter and John? Did they run away from Jesus? What are they going to be like now if they walk through this gate and see this man? Are they going to be able to help him while they're forsaking? Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. When he was gone up into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him, them that were there, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he again denied with an oath, I do not know the man. An area of lameness? Fear? How now is he going to come through the beautiful gate and declare the name of a man he doesn't know? And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. If that is Peter, then how long will this man sit here? How long? I guess this will have to suffice. And the best that Peter will be able to do is walk through and see a man who can't walk and throw something in. How long? How long will you wait? Praise God that Peter and John got right. Praise God that they took care of, of areas of lameness in their own life. They got the power of God. It's evidenced in chapter 2. Peter preached Pentecost. Then this church is growing, and look at what the church looks like. Is the church filled with people who deny and forsake, are distracted, are divided? No. It's a powerful church. Do you know why? Well, because of what it says in chapter 2 and verse 42, and they continued daily, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They're following men who have taken care of their lameness. They're not perfect. We're not talking about being sinless. We're saying there's a known area of powerlessness, and we're just content to, to, to be there daily and to cope. All right. I want to take the time and look at the act of healing. This is the most amazing thing, what happened. Look at verse 4, chapter 3. How did it happen? We're going to actually put this thing under a microscope. You're going to see it. It's in the Bible. And now, they, now that you're, you're there and you're thinking, okay, that area of lameness in my own life, that anger, that bitterness, that whatever, okay, that laziness, that matter of, of, of immorality, impurity. 
How do I take care of it? It's in the Bible. It's right here. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting not to be healed, to receive something of them. Okay, I get it. He's not there yet. He just wants to cope. Verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. Right. Such as I have. Now Peter can say that. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? Do you? Peter, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now this man has a choice. I have never walked. You are expecting me to do something I've never done. And frankly, I'm powerless to do. Is that true? And yet in a few minutes, he's on his feet. Right? Then you better by faith believe that God can heal you. Because that's what this guy was faced with. He could get really, really mad, mad right now. Do you understand? How dare you? You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what it's like to be here. Put some money in the cup or move on. He could. If he did... Where's he going to be tomorrow? Where? And the next day? And next year? How dare you? You don't know where I've been. You've not walked in my shoes. No, literally, you haven't. Sorry, figure your speech. But he didn't. He didn't go that route. Have you? When somebody comes to try to help you, when somebody tried to be a channel of blessing, this guy didn't think he was, they were being a channel of blessing either. How do you talk to me about walking? Look at you. You ever sneered at people trying to help you? You ever push them away? You ever claim they're not trying to help? Really? Are you sure? You're willing to risk that? You're going to be here again tomorrow. He didn't do that. Right there, something happened. But what? Here's where it is. Microscope. Verses 7 and 8 are the key. This is the key. You want to know how to get up? You want to know how to get going? You want to know how to leap? You want to know how to go from 0 to 60 in 2 seconds? Here it is. Verse 7. And he, who's he? Peter, took him the lame man, by the hand, by the right hand, and lifted him up. Question, did Peter, I know he's strong, he's a fisherman, okay, that's fine. Did Peter lift the man up and bounce him around the temple? Is that what it's saying? Is that what it's saying? No. Then what is that hand? What is that hand? What's it meant for? What's it meant for? Encouragement? You can do this. We're going to do it together. It came with the instruction. The instruction about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Well, let's do this. Peter didn't stand back and say, okay, do it. Peter, a channel of blessing, just reached over with his hand and took him by the hand. Did the guy pull his hand away? 
Do you? It could be a friend. It could be a mentor. It could be a parent putting their hand out. It's probably with some instruction. Do you pull your hand away? Do you slap away from you? Some authority in your life, some friend that's just trying to help, do you push him away? Where will he be if he does? You know. Peter's just reaching out. Let's do this. In the name of Jesus, let's do this. Notice what happens next. And immediately his feet and ankle bones receive strength. Okay. Verse 7, and he took him up. Who is that? Peter. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Who is that? Who's just, who just came on the scene? Who's here? Who's working? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, right? All right, what's in verse 8? And he, leaping up, stood. Who's that? What was the man's part in this? Take the hand. Take the hand. The one who's trying to help you, take their hand. Stop pushing them away. They're trying to help you. That's mom and dad. They may not be perfect, I understand. Take the hand. The handbook, the dean's office, your friend, your roommate, your room leader, your RA, take the hand. Take it. What do I need to learn here? Take the hand. If you don't, you'll be here tomorrow. Take the hand. Jesus is right here to do the healing. Peter didn't do that. The man didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. The miracle was God's. What did the man do? <laughs> what would a guy do physiologically? I mean, like, what, how would you do that? Well, you're going to send a command from your brain. It's going to go down pathways, right? Neurological pathways. But I've tried that before and it didn't work. But this time it's met with something else. The power of God. Which came first? It's at the same time. And he what did he do? Oh, 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 look, I, th I think I can walk. Oh, somebody help me. Oh, oh, it's too much. Uh, and, and Peter says, John, give the guy a hand. Oh, okay. And the two of them now half carry him in. Get him a walker. <laughs> Call an ambulance. <laughs> oh, 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 look. Wow! They look at him saying, how are the legs? He says, better. Is it true? Is it better? Well, better than that, right? Would you be impressed? Would a miracle have happened if that was the case? Would that be a miracle? Well, it was more than he could do before. Yeah, how are you doing in that area? I'm better. You know, I don't do it quite so much. I only blew up twice last week. You know, I didn't punch him, you know, too many times. It was better. Nobody went to the hospital this time. Look, I, I'm doing better. Can I sit down now? Is that what happened? Is that what he did? Do you think there would have been that kind of response from the people in the community if that was the deal? Oh, 
Oh, somebody. Ah, okay. That was good. Maybe tomorrow we can do a little more, huh? A little rehab? A little therapy? You know, it's, you're laughing. But how many times are we that way about some area of lameness in our life? I'm doing a little better in that area. I even robbed five banks in a week. Now it's down to two. Oh, somebody give me a hand. Oh, 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 wow, the power of God in my life. Really? You should be leaping. Yes or no? Understand in the very area of lameness, you should be leaping. It's the area of lameness that God wants to use to bring people to Christ. Did it happen? 5,000, it says. The area of lameness that you may be content with sitting here, coping. Here's the other thing. So you cope in that area and you go to somebody else. You're complaining about something. You're hoping that they'll just go, oh, yeah, that's terrible. That's terrible. I don't know how you put up with it. That's what they're doing. Oh, that's terrible. I'll pray for you. There you go. So you complain together. Hey, wait a minute. I like the one that you have. Can I have that? I'll trade you for this one. And I don't like that professor either. Why, Dr. Paul? Right. Well, look at there. There's Brother Himes. You're both coping. You get it? Somebody ought to say, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let's not do that anymore. Let's go talk to somebody. Let's get that resolved. <laughs> There'd be freedom. Complaining would go away. There is a way by faith to walk and leap. There is a way. I've got to read a quick story to you, and we'll be done. I have to. I just have to. You say, well, I, yeah, I think I've tried all that. Why doesn't it work? On October 23, 1740, a 28-year-old man was in his field in Connecticut. He was plowing. This is what he said. 1740. He said, now it pleased God to send Mr. Whitfield into this land. And my hearing of his preaching at Philadelphia, like one of the old apostles and many thousands flocking to hear him preach the gospel, and great numbers were converted to Christ, I felt the Spirit of God drawing me by conviction. I longed to see and hear him and wished he could come this way. I heard he was come to New York and the Jerseys, and great multitudes flocking after him under great concern for their souls, which brought on my concern more and more, hoping soon to see him. But next I heard he was at Long Island, then at Boston, and next at Northampton. Then, on a sudden, in the morning about 8 or 9 o'clock, there came a messenger and said, Mr. Whitfield preached at Hartford and Weathersfield yesterday and is to preach at Middletown this morning at 10 o'clock. I was in my field at work. I dropped my tool. 
that I had in my hand and ran home to my wife, telling her to make ready quickly to go and hear Mr. Whitfield preach at Middletown. Then ran to my pasture for my horse with all my might, fearing that I should be late. Having my horse, I, with my wife, soon mounted the horse and went forward as fast as I thought the horse could bear. And when my horse got much out of breath, I would get down and put my wife in the saddle and bid her ride as fast as she could and not stop or slack except I bade her. And so I would run until I was much out of breath and then I would mount back on the horse again. And so I did this several times to favor my horse. We improved every moment to get along as if we were fleeing for our lives, all the while fearing we should be too late to hear the sermon. For we had 12 miles to ride, double in little more than an hour. And we went round about the upper house and parish. And when we came within about half a mile of, or a mile of the road that comes down from Hartford, Weathersford and Stepney to Middletown, on high land, I saw before me a cloud of fog arising. I first thought it came from the great river. But as I came nearer the road, I heard a noise of horses' feet coming down the road, and this cloud was a cloud of dust made by the horses' feet. It arose some rods into the air over the tops of the hills and trees. And when I came within about 300 feet of the road, I could see men and horses slipping along in the cloud like shadows. And as I drew nearer, it seemed like a steady stream of horses and their riders, scarcely a horse more than his length behind another, all a lather and a foam with sweat. Every horse seemed to go with all his might to carry his rider to hear news from heaven. For the saving of souls, it made me tremble to see the sight. How the world was in a struggle. I found a vacancy between two horses and slipped mine in. And my wife said, our clothes here, our clothes will be all spoiled. Look how they look. For they were so covered with dust that they looked almost all the same color. Coats, hats, shirts, even their horses. We went down to the stream but heard no man speak a word all the while for three miles. But everyone was pressing forward in great haste. And when we got to Middletown, old meeting house, there was a great multitude. It is said to have been three or 4,000 people assembled. We dismounted and shook off our dust. And, and the ministers were then coming to the meeting house. I turned and looked towards the great river and saw the, fiery, the, uh, the ferry boats running swift backward and forward across the river, bringing over loads of people and the oars rowed nimbly and quickly. Everything, men, horses, and boats seemed to be struggling for life. The land and banks over the river looked black with people and horses all along the 12 miles. I saw no man at work in his field but all seemed to be gone. When I saw Mr. Whitfield come upon the scaffold, he looked almost angelic. A young, 25-year-old, slim, slender youth before some thousands of people with a bold, undaunted countenance and my hearing how God was with him everywhere as he came along. It solemnized my mind and put me into a trembling fear before he began to preach. For he looked as if he were clothed with the authority of the great God. And a sweet, solemn, solemn solemnity sat upon his brow and my hearing him preach 
gave me a heart wound. By God's blessing, my old foundation was broken up, and I saw that my righteousness could not save me. I read that to you, young people, so that you would know. When you have that kind of determination to get to God, you will find him. When you play with the thing, bat it around like a cat with a mouse, you'll be there again tomorrow. How will this work for me, you might ask? Have that kind of determination to get rid of that lameness.